Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Melissa Wu and I'm an Australian diver. I'm a four-time Olympian and a bronze medalist from the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Video replay, the most important tool divers have to uh, correct those little fine details that you're working on on each movement. So get over to sidelinescout.com. Check out their poolside live package. It's the best money you'll ever spend. So do yourself a favor, get over there and check it out. Awesome. So we're just going to jump right in here, Melissa. Um, please like take us through your diving journey. It's uh, it, I feel like it's been a pretty long one. And uh, from being a young diver and being in the spotlight to where you are now um, with the, with your career in diving. I have had a pretty long career. It's I've been very lucky in that regard and I'm feeling a little bit old <laughs> at this point, but I love it. I'm so glad to still be here and being able to dive. Uh, I guess I started when I was about 10 years old. I just started in the club program. So I really, uh, I guess, have found a real love for the sport and in a really nurturing environment. And I wasn't, you know, under a lot of pressure or anything when I started. So it was the first thing that I was really I guess, good at. And I came from a big family where everyone was sort of good at sport and I didn't really fit in. So when I found diving, it was so good to just find my own thing that I loved and I had my own friends and I didn't have to hide behind my siblings or anything like that. Uh, And then, you know, fast forward a few years, I was lucky enough to get into a junior uh, national program that basically in that program under my coach, Shang Ning Chen, I learned basically everything I know about diving Uh, He taught me good technique and he took me to my first Olympics, my first Commonwealth Games. And that was for me a real turning point in in my career, being able to have that opportunity. And then going from, you know, just being a junior diver to then all of a sudden on the international stage was really cool. And then I guess from there, it all sort of blurs into one. You know, I I went to my first games, Olympic Games when I was 16. And and then from there, you know, I won a silver medal at at that Olympic Games with, Um, in synchro and then I guess yeah from there I had a lot of synchro success at a young age but not so much individual and I think that as the years went on I just tried to improve uh, get more experience and really up my game when it came to competing individually and I think then right leading up until Tokyo last year that there was always that pursuit of being able to perform individually and being able to get the results I knew that I was capable of. Sure so you mentioned that Uh, Through all the hard work and and the individual, um, for lack of a better word, you know, lack of the the medal on that on that individual stage, tons of success in synchro. What was it like when you were able to stand on the medal stand, receive that bronze medal for an individual event? You know, what did all of those years of training, what did that mean to you? Yeah, it was really, really special for me to be able to win that Olympic medal in Tokyo. Like I mentioned, my whole career, basically, I've just, you know, hung in there for so long and I knew I was capable of doing well individually. And I've had here and there really good results individually, but it's been a really long time and a really long journey of being able to back that up and gain the confidence and self-belief that I required to be able to win an Olympic medal. So standing on that dice that moment was literally, you know, my whole career's worth of work went into that. And then not just that, the team that helped me get there as well. You know, I was lucky that I've had a really good team around me. My family, for one, have supported me from day one and I wouldn't have been able to get, you know, to where I was or it wouldn't have even been able to start if it wasn't for my family. And they ride all the ups and downs with you. So that's, you know, super important to have that. My coach, I've been diving with my coach now for 10 years or more even. 
So it's been a really long time. And for him, I think he knew, you know, for both of us, how special that was. And then there's a whole other team of people that help you get there as well. But there's just so much that goes into it beyond just physical training. It's even the stuff you do outside of that, the mindset work, um, you know, all the physio, uh, just everything, everything that goes into it. It's such a special moment. Sure. So another follow-up as you were talking, one thing came to my head. What do you think was the biggest difference between your mentality when you did win that bronze medal? Was there something lacking in years previously where it just wasn't quite clicking? Is there, was there like an aha moment? Was it just the self-belief? I wouldn't say that it was like one, one thing or one moment. Basically, I recognized early on that I, I had a lot of synchro success because I couldn't, I, I would just sort of, yeah, falter under pressure as a young athlete individually. And then from that point, you know, I think when I was about, probably it was maybe after London or so, coming forth at the London Olympics when I was about 21, I just really thought, okay, I've got to do something different. I'm just going to keep getting the same results. And even though fourth Olympics is still a great achievement for me, I came away disappointed that I wasn't able to get that medal. So then just for years and years and years, all I did was just work on mindset, work on how I could improve things in training, how I could improve things in competition. And things didn't always go smoothly. There are a lot of ups and downs. And it took me a really long time to be able to get to a point where I knew I could I guess, back myself in competition. And it doesn't mean that things don't always, things don't go badly, you know, and I think that's part of it. It's learning in the middle of a competition when things don't go to plan, how to keep going, how to pick yourself up, how to bounce back um, quickly, be resilient. And and sometimes it's just hanging in there and then still applying that pressure that, you know, helps you get the result that you want and other divers then fall from pressure. So I think for me, it was just a really long journey of learning things along the way and gaining that experience to be able to get to that point where I won that medal. Yeah. That, that's awesome. You know, just to follow up with one last thing from that question is you talk about your relationship with your coach for over 10 years. Can you mm-hmm. maybe give us a little insight into that and how that relationship was developed and maybe some of the ups and downs throughout it? Yeah, for sure. So when by the time I moved uh, to this program that I'm in in Sydney in Australia, I, I was actually training in Brisbane before that. And I was there for maybe, uh, I don't know, how, maybe like six years or so. Uh, but basically, as I mentioned, my, my coach when I was a junior athlete, he taught me everything that I knew growing up you know he taught me very well technically and I had a really good rapport with him uh and then why I ended up changing programs because then after my first Olympics I had to then move up into the senior squad and I really didn't gel with the senior coach as well and I struggled a lot and I actually went through depression and had anxiety that year following my first Olympics and I was around 17 years old so that's why I got to the point where I either wanted to completely quit diving or change to a different program um, and I really didn't want at that point quit diving. So I, that's why I made the decision to move to Sydney from Brisbane. And I've been in Sydney ever since. And a large part of why I chose Sydney was because I was born here and I grew up here, but also my coach who I've had now for 10 years, Travis Sabrino coached here. And he was always a coach that I got along with really well, even though I'd never dived with him before that. Um, and he had just a very different approach. He's a very relaxed coach and he probably a lot of people in the diving world know Chava and uh, he's just he's a really nice guy he's been my whole life like a bit of a father figure to me he really looks out for me not just as an athlete but in all facets of my life and as a younger athlete one of the things I struggled with too was that 
in Brisbane, I wasn't allowed to focus that much on education and things outside of diving, whereas Chava's always been very pro, you know, having something else in your life, having something to fall back on, making sure you're a well-balanced athlete. So for me, having that support from my coach throughout my career has been a massive help too, especially now as I'm navigating, you know, the, the opportunities that I have and the career that I'm going to take post-diving as well. Awesome. Awesome. Honestly, you segued perfectly into the next question here. So um, Aaron and I were lucky enough. We got to interview Curtis Matthews. He just had a, an amazing uh, senior year here, winning the springboard events on one and three meter. Um, and he kind of explained a little bit of what it's like to choose your routes in Australia diving. So what was that process like for you? Did you ever even consider going to the United States to join a university team or anything like that? I didn't really, probably the main reason is I don't have a great track record with studying. I have, I'm yet to finish a uni degree, but I, I'm always very busy outside of diving. I do a lot. I manage a lot. I have businesses now. And for me, studying was something I always found very difficult though. And I think that part of that is due to how I grew up in diving and the pressure I was under in that Brisbane program with them not really prioritizing study and education it was I was always very difficult for me as a young athlete traveling they just didn't really care about that uh so then as I got older I was sort of past the age of then you know going to do all that you know um yep. you know uni and or going and thinking about doing it in the states so instead I just looked at my options here instead and then it kind of just I guess yeah um I just yeah sort of found what I'm doing now I, I own businesses and and Basically, yeah, I'm close to my family, so I wouldn't really consider ever moving away, I don't think, at this point. And I've got right. a bit too much grounding me here. Wonderful. I was I was going to say, you know, Heath, it, unfortunately, I don't think you have enough money to throw scholarship-wise. <laughs> I know she has eligibility left, but I'm not sure that can get it done, buddy. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned, you know, you, you've been to so many different Olympic games. And at this point, you're kind of one of the, the ladies that's, uh, that's no longer up and coming, kind of on the back nine of the career. So what are some things that you do to keep your body in good condition? You know, 10 meter has a crazy impact level. So what have you done throughout your career to sustain such a long career? Well, that's a good question. I think there's a few different things. I think number one, I have to credit my first coach, Shang Ning, with the workload and the crazy, I guess, sort of strength training I did when I was young. So I think but those years before you hit puberty are really important. So basically training with him um, from the age of around 11, and I didn't, I hit puberty kind of late, like after my first Olympics. That time in between, we did really hard strength training, which was it's just all body weight for the most part. But I think that that training made my body really resilient and it helped me to not get injured when I got older. And I was able to, um, as a young athlete, train a fair bit of 10 meter without getting injured, um, which was really good. And then as I got older, though, things change. Um, you know, you've had a lot of time doing 10 meter. It's a lot of force through the body of a long period of time. So from there, once I did start getting injured, I think a big learning curve for me was learning how to um, train smart instead of just training hard. And that was hard for me because I did train so hard when I was younger. So when I got older, I had to learn, okay, if I keep pushing myself like this, I'm going to end up taking, you know, one step forward, but then two steps backward. And it was just not a good cycle. So I had to really learn how to train smart, manage my volume. And my coach Java has been a big help with that too. Uh, and just making sure that I'm always 
taking steps forward even if I feel like I'm not training as hard as I could be I just have to learn that it's a process look at the big picture and make sure that I'm always doing the right things for my body and not pushing myself too hard sure perfect so you touched on this a little bit earlier um what is it like for your mindset going into big competitions like the Olympics and maybe more importantly what is your routine like leading up to those competitions and even in between dives, I know you had mentioned that that's something you really worked really hard over, over the last years of your career. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, uh, good question. So mindset for me is something that I have tried to work on really consistently and I have to put a lot of time into it. I feel like it's the sort of thing that you don't just learn once and then it just, you're just good at it. Kind of like diving, just because you've mastered the dive doesn't mean that you're always going to be good at it. you got to keep training, working at it. So for me, I like to, leading up to competitions, keep a little journal that I do every night. And basically before bed, I will reflect on the day that I just had and what I want to do better going to the next day. So that when I wake up the next day, I've already thought about what it is that I want to achieve. And um, it's not just in terms of like what I want to do, but, you know, the, the intention behind what I'm doing. So maybe there's something I need to work on with my mindset, I'll really focus on that. Or maybe there's something technically that I really want to focus on, but I just find that that really helps. And that little evaluation of the day also helps me pick up on, you know, I think we like to think that we're positive or that we're, you know, thinking positive thoughts. But when you really reflect on the day, I think it helps me realize, okay, now I could you be doing this and this and this better? And it just helps me stay on top of that kind of thing. But then also... Hold Sometimes, on one, one moment real yeah. quick. Is, is that journal you kept, is that just diving related or is that like your, your life, your whole day in, in entirety? It's my whole day. I think leading into competition, there's definitely more of a diving focus. Like I know that's the big goal that I'm aiming for, but I like to, cause I am doing so much and I feel like, yeah, you, you always got to look at the whole person. It's me as a whole person. Um, but generally I feel like if you're focusing on one part of your life, it tends to cross over into the other parts anyway, um, in terms of mindset, being positive and that kind of thing. So, um, okay. yeah, my, my diary has a few different parts to it. So like I mentioned, I write down sort of the things I want to do, but then I also write down, I have um, a section where I literally just write down, they're sort of just, I guess, affirmations and they're things I just tell myself throughout the day. And I get used to saying to myself, um, I do the part where I'll like literally write down a bunch of things and I'll rate myself on them. And that could be things I don't need to work on like recovery or sleep or positivity, um, gratitude, things like that. And then there's a part where I just will journal. It's not too long, but I will just write out things. And I think just doing that every day, you pick up particular themes or things that you need to work on, or you get used to sort of saying the same things to yourself. You know, if a challenge popped up, you get used to telling yourself the same affirmation so that when I get to comp, I don't really have to tell myself anything new or I don't have to think about positive things to tell myself. I just sort of come back to these themes and these affirmations that I've been using leading up to comp and that kind of helps. So then in between dives, I try and switch off as much as I can. But when it's time to switch on, I basically just hit myself hard with those you know, positive cues, affirmations, things I tell myself. And I'll literally tell myself those things right up until the 10 meter. Every time I stop, you know, on a different platform on the way up, or I'm walking up the stairs. As soon as I feel the doubts creep in, I just hit them with those positive thoughts. And, um, and I think the best thing is that, yeah, I practice it all day in, day out. So it's not like anything new in comp. And I think just getting used to doing that over and over, it becomes second nature. And that's sort of the biggest thing that made the most difference for me going into competition. 
Awesome. So goofy question. Aaron usually asks this one. Do you listen to music between dives? Uh, I do. Yeah. I really feel like music helps you like switch off and switch on. It can kind of change your mood. Um, so I usually pick the music depending on how I'm feeling. <laughs> so, so that, that leads us into like, what is your go-to genre or music that you kind of shuffle between depending where you're at? Usually it's just something like poppy that you can kind of sing to without thinking about it. And it just puts you in a good mood. I get quite nervous in comps. So I don't listen to anything that like gets me too revved up because I can't control it then. So it's got to be a happy medium of just, you know, keeps me calm, but it's but happy as well. Perfect. So this one's not on there, but after I heard, you know, your, your mentality and, and the positive affirmation, what is your favorite dive to do in competition? I think definitely my last dive, my back two and a half, one and a half twist is my favorite. It's always been a dive I've been good at. I put it last in my list because I know it's reliable. I don't <laughs> often miss it. And I think just when you get to that point in the comp, um, it's not just that you have that you're competing that dive, but you know it's like the last dive because <laughs> you've been so nervous. It's just a good feeling knowing there's just only one more to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with a solid one. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. On your Instagram, I've seen a couple of really cool videos. And one is of you jumping from a boat to a helicopter. And I am dying to know what that is all about. <laughs> yeah, a few people have been asking about that, um, international divers. So it's a show that we have here in Australia. It actually started in the UK. So all the British divers know all about it. It's called SAS. And it's basically, it is a TV show where you get taken through basically like a sort of celebrity version of um, like a an SAS course, uh, like a selection course, which is, you know, for the army, it's a, the special services, so it's, um, oh, sorry, the special forces. So it's a very difficult um, kind of course and they put you through lots of different things, you know, physical tasks, mental tasks. They test you, you know, doing a bunch of different stuff and you've got to work as a team or do things individually and, uh, yeah, it's basically kind of crazy. You, there's not, even though it's a TV show, you don't really see any of the producers or anything. You just get thrown in the deep end and you've got to do all sorts of things from, yeah, jump, like you said, jumping from a boat to a helicopter or, um, you know, we got tear gas, we got pepper sprayed. Oh, um, what? Yeah, you have to do all these things that they, they call beastings, which are like these workouts where you get yelled at. And basically, the only way like to then leave is they you, you have an everyone has a number, you either hand your number in and, and voluntarily withdraw yourself, or the directing staff can take your number off you and, and you leave that way. So basically, the aim of it is to get to the end and complete the course, and then they choose who passes the selection course. So is that over? <laughs> Are you still doing that? How, what's the yeah, progress? It's, yeah, so it's over. So basically I filmed it in October. So after Olympics, I had to go and do two weeks in hotel quarantine like everybody else. And when I was in there, I found out that I was going to be on the show. So then I had about four weeks to train for it after coming out. So I had to do all sorts of different stuff to diving, a lot of cardio training. You had to carry a Bergen. It's 20 kilos everywhere. So I had to get used to doing that. Um, like carrying people, I was like carrying my siblings like over my shoulders and um, you have to do hand-to-hand -hand combat. So I was practicing boxing with them and all sorts of, you got to do all sorts of crazy stuff. So it was really interesting. It was kind of cool to do some training that was different to diving. And it was also cool to see all the things that diving has taught me really translate over into that as well. That seems like 
<laughs> so intense. I mean, it's very intense. I, I would have to, I mean, I, we were all divers here. I have to believe, you know, the mental strength, the phys- I have to believe you did really well, but that's just maybe a little of my ego, just assuming you would do well. That seems awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty, I, it's hard to know like what to expect when you go in, but I was pretty happy with how I did. Uh, I knew going in, I wasn't going to be physically, you know, up to scratch because it's just so different from what we do in diving. And even though I was fit from Olympics, it's a different type of fitness. But I think definitely the mental side of things got me through. And I'm, I made it to the second last day, which was, I think, a pretty good effort. But, oh, yeah, wow. I got, um, got knocked down a few times. But, yeah, I think because diving taught me just keep getting back up, keep going. That was a, that was a huge help. Wow. So what, what motivated you to want to get involved with that show or try that show out? So my um, cousin, uh, she was an Olympic athlete as well. She's retired now. She actually went on the last season of the show and she sort of messaged me when I was in quarantine um, and said, oh, do you want to do this show? You know, you know, can put your name forward basically. And at first I was like, no, that was so scary. But um, I, I just thought about it a bit longer. And I think too, being in quarantine helped, you know, I was sort of bored, nothing to do and no, you know, goal, immediate goal to focus on. So I was like, you know what, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and, I, I did really want to push myself and and challenge myself in a way that wasn't in diving because I think, you know, after so many years, you, you always go into a competition really prepared and you do everything you can to prepare yourself. And, and even though there's a lot of skills and characteristics that you need to be able to be successful, you know exactly what you have to do going in. I think it's a surprise in competition, whereas this was going to be something completely different. It was going to test me like as a person, not just as a diver. And I think just always being referred to as most with a diver I really wanted to see who I was you know deep down you know beyond behind all that sort of thing and then and look for those characteristics I know will then help me also beyond diving that's awesome that's incredible um you know so speaking of outside of the pool what else do you enjoy doing outside of the pool I know you mentioned family but what are your other interests outside of the pool um, yeah, so I don't have a lot of free time for like hobbies. I, I like to quite keep quite busy. So uh, the main thing I do is I run uh, a gym with my brother. So my sister coaches for us as well. My whole family is actually in weightlifting. I'm the only diver. Um, they actually started weightlifting because of, you know, I was always at training when I was younger and the only sport sort of close by that they could walk to was weightlifting. Uh, so that's how they all got into it. Um, so I guess it's my, because of me. Um, so yeah, basically we run that gym together. We've just got a, like a, we run it out of our garage gym at the moment, but we've just gotten a like proper commercial space for our gym that we'll move into in a couple of months, which is super exciting. So that's basically a, um, more like weightlifting and CrossFit style um, coaching that we do there. And then I also run my own activewear label, uh, which is pretty cool. That's called Havoc Athletic, and that takes up a fair bit of time, um, but it's a nice little creative thing for me that I like to do. And then more recently, I started um, with one of my fellow teammates. He's retired now, Kevin Chavez. He went to he competed in Rio in 2016. Um, we've started like a little business together called Australian Diving Academy, and we basically um, just offer specialist sort of coaching to club level divers here. But the biggest thing in Sydney compared to other states in Australia is that our club kids don't have access to dry land. So we basically create these programs to be able to offer dry land to them and teach them little, you know, technical things that they don't always get access to or don't get the opportunity to learn as part of their clubs, which is pretty cool. 
yeah, that's basically what I do. <laughs> so wow. Quite time consuming. I was doing coaching for our, um, like our institute program that I'm in as well, like for the youngest generation. But I recently just stopped doing that to focus on my businesses a bit more. Uh, talk about your your athletic line a little bit more. Let our listeners in on what's going on with that. Yeah, so I've had it for a couple of years now, um, and basically. I, I've always sort of dabbled a bit in CrossFit and, um, and like that kind of thing. And I sort of for diving, I found I was wearing sort of similar clothing to them, like just, you know, the little booty short type things. And just I needed clothing that was going to give me like a full range of movement. Uh, and it was hard to find like nice clothing, like active wear in Australia that was like a nice fabric and that kind of thing. So I was sort of buying things from overseas and I just thought oh there's no point doing that and shipping everything here I may as well just start it here and uh yeah so basically it's it's definitely aimed a little bit more in the space I'm going to be in that crossfit lifting kind of space um but it is really similar to what I wear as a diver so uh yeah that's basically all it is and it's it's a bit of fun for me I really like doing that and and doing something that's completely different to diving as well and what did you say it was called havoc athletic Havoc Athletic, H-A-V-O-K, Athletic. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so what is next for you? Are you training for Paris? What's on the horizon? Yeah, I'm still training at the moment. I did sustain a bit of an injury on doing that TV show, SAS. So at the moment, I'm trying to get that right, but still diving. We've got nationals coming up in early June. So that's exciting and basically I'm just focusing a bit more on synchro at the moment and hoping to make world championships this year and also Commonwealth Games uh, so that's basically the main goal I'm just going to take it slow take it one step at a time at the moment uh, and just try and get my body right um, focus on the comps this year and then yeah everything beyond that is a bonus so I'll, I'll just take it as it comes basically and then keep focusing on my career as well in the meantime perfect yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind, do you mind elaborating like maybe what injuries you got and how you're working your way back from those? Yeah. So it's been a bit of a challenge trying to figure out exactly what I did because I've had back pain and also like pain in my glute, and my hips since the show. And that was about six months ago now. So it's been a bit frustrating for me because um, it's been hard to get a diagnosis and the physios have basically told me if you keep diving on it, it'll get worse. And even though I know that, I've basically sort of committed in my head to this year and, and I know I can get over the top of the injury. Um, so, but that was sort of their diagnosis was that if you keep diving on it, it'll get worse. So for me, I was like, okay, I know that, but I want to know what's actually wrong with it. So we've um, literally just last week, think we figured out what it is so I think that I've um, done something to my sacroiliac joint which you know is the joint that um, attaches between um, your sacrum and your hip basically so it's not actually my back as like they were suspecting before um, so I'm actually going to try and I'm trying to book in a cortisone um, to see if that will help in the next week or two once I come out of isolation um, so hopefully fingers crossed that works. If not, um, if it doesn't work, I've been diving on it anyway. So I'm pretty confident that I can, uh, that I can dive on it. It's just trying to figure out what's actually wrong with it, but it has been very challenging, not just physically, but also mentally. It's been quite frustrating. And I think every time I get injured, I just have to keep coming back to that mental process that I do every time. Um, when I, you know, look at the big picture, take it step by step and just focus on the positives and what I can do, not what I can't do. 
Right. Right. That makes perfect sense. Um, I think you've already touched on this a little bit, but just um, if you wouldn't mind going a little bit more in depth on what does life after diving look like for Melissa Wu? Like, what are you going to do when this is all done with just diving in your athletic career? <laughs> um, I always wonder this because I want, I do wonder how hard it is to just walk away from the sport. And that's part of why I was um, coaching before um, for our Institute program. Cause I just, I love that. I wanted to give back. So at this point, I'm not doing that much diving coaching. I still am a little bit through Australian Diving Academy. So I, I'm definitely happy to still have ties to the sport that way. But I think predominantly I'll be focusing on my gym. I'm really excited for that next step and to open that up. And that's going to demand a lot more time and hours coaching, uh, which will be a bit of a challenge, but I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I'm not really sure what, what it will look like. I'd, I'd have thought to, um, I think even just in terms of after doing SAS and thinking you know how much adrenaline you always have in diving I always wonder when I walk away if I'll sort of miss that adrenaline rush and at the moment I don't really do anything where I sort of challenge myself in that way but I'm wondering if after diving I'll go and do all these you know thrill seeking time activities to try and <laughs> make up for it but um we'll, we'll have to see about that wonderful yeah wonderful well, my last question here before we get into the signature questions is what advice would you give to a young diver that aspires to be great? Uh, I think my best advice would be the obvious one is to work hard, always give a hundred percent to everything you do. But on top of that, I think just try and um, look for those one percenters, those extra little details in diving. You need a lot of attention to detail and it's not just when you're at training, it's all the things outside of that, what it takes to be a great athlete. Um, you know, look at the athletes that you look up to or that you aspire to be like and look what they're doing right. And, and basically, yeah, just try and mimic that. And um, that should put you, you know, on a good track to success. Yeah. Very good. Well, we'll get into our signature questions now. I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, um, we treat failure not so much as a bad thing, but more as an opportunity for growth. Um, so what would you say is your favorite failure or your best opportunity for growth in your life? Oh, I like that. I like the way you look at that. Um, I think for me, probably London 2012 was a, was a tough uh, comp for me coming forth and you know, by just a small amount. So I think missing out on that medal was a big learning curve for me and a good, something that just gave me that kick up the butt to do something different and recognize that I can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. Sure. Yeah. You, you put it best earlier when you said, you know, being fourth in the Olympics is phenomenal, but you kind of walked away a little disappointed that you weren't on the, on the medal stand there. So that's, that's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, my next one here is, you know, we ask every diver, whatever, uh, whatever avenue they come from in diving, how can that avenue improve? There's always room for improvement, whether it's in a specific dive or, you know, a diving organization as a whole. So you're on the international level. What would you say in your mind, the international or FINA, what could they do to improve diving? I guess on a global scale, that's, that's kind of as open-ended as I've ever asked. <laughs> Uh, well, I think just anything that could make diving more exciting. And I think that they kind of started this when they had that competition in Abu Dhabi last year and we dived into the ocean and they combined that with, um, you know, high diving and a bunch of other sports. I think that was a really cool competition. It was a team event. So you did one dive 
um, on your own. You did one dive synchronized and it was, you know, half male, half female team. And I think that was pretty cool. Um, so anything like that, that can make the sport a bit more exciting. When I was younger, I did this event um, at a youth Olympics that was like a knockout comp. And that was, I just remember that being a really cool competition because it was basically, they ran the normal comp and then the finalists from the, the normal comp then went into this knockout comp as a separate competition. So everybody had to, you had to do, you didn't put a dive shit in. You basically choose, you warmed up all five of your dives and then each round you had to choose which dive you wanted to do. And then, so you had to be a bit strategic about, you know, where to put which DD, which round you think people are going to miss. And, and then basically each round you just go up and tell them, I'm going to do this stuff now. And then the lowest score gets knocked out until you get a winner. And that was like such a cool competition. Awesome. I think that would be so interesting to watch and uh, yeah, just things like that. And um, I think it's cool because I don't know, even as divers, sometimes we'll have competitions and we'll watch and we, we do this like dream team thing where we basically will watch. It's always fun with men's platform as well. And you, you watch an event and you say, okay, I'm going to, you put together a list of dives and you choose, you know, I'm going to take so-and-so's back to so-and-so's front four and a half and you try and, and we do these little things. So I think everyone loves that to get around that kind of thing. So I think any kind of comp that made it more exciting like that would be great. That, that is so oh. cool. So that knockout competition, I love that. I'm going to do that with my divers, yep. but also like <laughs> you, you make it sound too, when you, when you picked, you know, I'm going to pick Tom Daly's back three and a half. I'm going to pick, um, yeah. you know, David Badai's reverse three and a half. That's really cool. That's almost like a, like a, like a fantasy aspect of diving. You get to select each person's yeah. that's really cool. I know it's so fun. We sit in the stands and all of us international <laughs> guys get together and we're like, we, you know, compare, compare who won. And it's, it's really fun. We love doing oh, that. And it's, it's that, so good to watch. That's, that's cool. That's I awesome. love that. I, I agree. Aaron said it best. Like I wrote down knockout contest and like that is going into our practice plans for next year for our college <laughs> team. I love it. Um, oh, awesome. Such a great idea. So kind of in that same vein, a little bit is what is your favorite drill to do? And, and your yours is a little bit more open-ended because you did do some coaching as well. You know, whether it's your favorite drill as an athlete, that's maybe benefited you the most or your favorite drill to make your divers do when you were coaching. Mm, this is a tough one. I don't know if I have a favorite. I love, I'm the person and I, I think part of it is because I have done coaching. I love making up drills for things that I think need work. So that I basically, yeah, there's a few favorites from when I was younger, when I was a young athlete, but I think, I don't necessarily have a favorite now, but I really enjoy if, if there's something I want to pick apart in my dive and I want to fix like a particular part of it, I'll literally just come up with a drill that people be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like when they see me do it, like, no, it's for a very specific part of my dive. Um, and I like to just mix it up and change it all the time. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you just are basically taking your own advice for what you said you would say to a young diver, you're finding that 1% you can get better at and even if you have to get creative with the drill, you're trying to improve that 1% every time. Yeah, definitely. And I think diving so repetitive as well. The more you can sort of mix it up and sometimes you can train the same thing, but just doing it a different way is enough mm -hmm. to make it a little bit different, a bit more fun and exciting. Absolutely. So this one is always, it's, it's my favorite question is what is the best advice you've either given or received? And it, it doesn't have to just be athletically. It could be for your life, whatever you think. Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, the best advice. I think I have a lot of people that give me advice and generally they say like similar things but in a different way. But I think 
I think basically it, it always comes back to, I think, um, I think it was my mum that told me just, you, you know, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over. You have to. And I think it, even though that was in a diving sense, I think for me, it's really applicable in all parts of my life because I think I always was someone that worked hard and I always thought that was just going to be the thing that got me to success because I work hard, you know, I, I stay back the longest, I do this, but if you, you're just doing the same things, it's not necessarily going to equate to success. You have to sort of go out, make your own opportunities, look outside the box sometimes. And sometimes the box is what you're told to do. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not, you know, you're doing all the right things, but sometimes you have to be prepared to go outside of that and look in other avenues or seek other help. Uh, even if it's not what people are telling you to do or if you think it goes against, you know, what the, the thing that is supposed to be done is. Right. So um, this one is not on our list. I actually thought about it right before we got on the Zoom only because I, I had told you before we got on the Zoom, I've been watching you dive since I've been a sophomore in high school. <laughs> who, did, who did you look up to when you were a young athlete? Uh, I looked up to mainly... Uh, probably the Chinese divers. I used to, my coach as part of my training used to sit me down and we used to watch uh, like basically competitions. So before I made it to that senior international stage, I already knew who all the divers were because I'd been watching world championships, Olympics, you know, the, all the previous events. Um, so there was a lot of divers I looked up to, but there was just something always about the Chinese divers that were, they were literally like my age and they just, they coped with the pressure so well. They looked so just innocent and, um, you know, I was like, wow, that's so cool. They're just like me and they can do it. That means that, that I could do it as well. And, and there was just something about seeing them and relating to them at that young age that made me really inspired. Awesome. Awesome. And then the last question we like to ask is who would you like to hear us interview next? Or who do you think would be a really great interview for us to talk to? Uh, I think oh, there's so many great divers. <laughs> it's hard to choose who, but um, I guess just off the back of the last question, I would love to hear, you know, from any Chinese diver who could speak English, that is, uh, but like all about how they grow up and what it's like training under that kind of pressure every day, the amount of training they do. And, and you know, that would be so cool, I think, to interview a Chinese athlete. And it's, I think that they're, the way that they grow up is so different to the rest of the world. And, what diving means to them is really different to us because most people, most countries, it's, it's a hobby. It's something that you do, even if you have big goals, but for them, it's their livelihood. And, and I think that it's just a whole other world, you know, that they come from. That would be so interesting. Perfect. I wrote it down and I will work on it. I'll see if we can find a, <laughs> cool. a translator, awesome. whatever we have to do. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be so cool. But, um, yeah, I agree. So before Aaron sends us off, um, with the send off, um, please remember coaches, if you send us your camp and clinic information, we'll happily advertise that. All you have to do is get us the info and we'll ask a couple questions and we'll put it on our link tree. We have some camps and clinics as well as some other interesting links on there as well. Um, before Aaron does our send off, Melissa, thank you so much for somebody that I've looked up to in diving for so long. This was really an honor and a privilege to actually get to meet you and talk to you a little bit about your story and your journey. Thanks so much for having me guys. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our email is the diving pod at gmail.com. Uh, we have t-shirts and hoodies for sale at divingpod.itemorder.com. Again, enter dive pod at checkout. That gets you free shipping. 
Uh, I also just wanted to say thank you again, Melissa, for coming on. This was super fun. I love listening to an Australian accent. Not that that has anything to do with diving, but it's always excellent and always fun. So thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time.